Once upon a time, God spoke into existence an innumerable host of shining ones, living stars of his heaven. And they were made to serve and worship him forever. At the head of the class stood one known as Morning Star. He was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. It was as if he was clothed with precious jewels set in gold. He shimmered like the sea. He was the anointed cherub guarding the very throne of God, blameless in his ways from the day he was created. But not content with his status and not satisfied with worshiping God, Morning Star said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. His mutiny was met with swift justice. He fell from his lofty position and he was cut down to earth and cast down to Sheol. He became defiled and depraved, the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. And God prepared hell for him. And the countdown started and so began the war of God versus Satan, whose name means slanderer or accuser. One third of the angelic realm went down with the ship, willfully joining his cosmic treason. Now it was Elohim versus Diabolos. And this war included the host of heaven versus the host of hell. Having failed to seize the throne of the universe, he turned his attention to the next best throne, that of planet Earth. But alas, it too is already occupied, and he by the God's vice regent, King Adam, with Queen Eve at his side. Both of them made by God to exercise dominion over the land and over the creatures, to rule in God's place. And how Satan lusted for that throne. As he scanned the garden with his high-powered scope, Adam fell into the crosshairs of the deranged devil. His hunting strategy was to use that gorgeous woman to get Adam to sin and thereby forfeit his throne. Choosing the most cunning of God's creatures, he went to work on Eve, seducing, deceiving, and tempting her to do the one thing God said not to do. It was the first blindside attack in human history. And Adam watched it happen. The one flesh couple became two disconnected souls, but but united in making themselves enemies of God and servants of Satan. Predictably, God acted in swift justice, making the effects of their sin breathtaking. They no longer wanted to go to church, so Adam took up fishing on Sundays. Eve kept working to perfect the fig leaf skirt. Adam woke up with a stiff back. Eve started getting headaches. Something was wrong with her bodies. And they would blame shift and vainly hide from God. But he found them. And he kicked them out of paradise. No, he drove them out. Out into the cold, cruel world. How cold and how cruel, you ask? Their firstborn would kill his little brother. 
over a religious argument. And Eve thought Cain was the promised deliverer. But wait, in the midst of punishment came the first prophecy in human history. A surprising promise, really, by the Creator Himself. And they were given in words of judgment to the serpent. God speaking, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Wait, what? A human being would deal a death blow to the serpent inside the serpent? How is that possible? What human being? When? One thing was for sure. The doom of the deceiver was decreed by the one the deceiver despises. Ouch. The serpent took the news lying down, but not asleep in the dust. He went to work as the God of this world and the prince of the power of the air. He would be Satan, the usurper, sitting on the throne forfeited by Adam and giving it to whomever he wished down through human history, but always the one behind the curtain pulling the levers. He would rule over this den of depravity from the highest to the lowest and from generation to generation. All the while, he kept looking over his shoulder for the seed of the woman. The royal prince who would be born to kill the dragon and to reclaim the kingdom for his father. To bring such a prince into the world, God chose one man, Abram. And made of him a nation. Changed his heart. Changed his name. And from him would come this royal prince. From the vantage point of earth, little Israel was nothing to boast about. But from the vantage point of heaven, she was like a woman clothed with the sun itself. Beautiful and heavenly in origin. Unique and exalted among the nations. There would never be another nation like her. The moon would be under her feet, symbolizing her permanent nature in God's universe. And on her head, a victor's crown of 12 stars, 12 shining ones, for she would be made up of 12 tribes. After her exile for her sin, God would regather this woman Israel into the land of promise itself for the next major offensive in his war with Satan. A young virgin was chosen as the mother of the Messiah. And Mary would scream through labor pains until a ruler came forth from her womb, the Lamb of God and the Lion from the tribe of Judah. Born in lowly Bethlehem as promised. Here at last was the royal prince come to slay the dragon and rescue his people from his claws. Glory to God in the highest. What the serpent feared most had come to pass. The usurper had only one option. He must kill this royal prince or be killed. And so after centuries of trying to destroy his mother so he couldn't even be born, the cruel, fierce dragon positioned himself before the vulnerable woman to devour this child at birth. This is my world and you can't have it, he hissed at baby Jesus as he came from the womb. Threatened by a helpless baby, 
the ruler of this world filled a ruler of this world with his own fear and rage. And the paranoid King Herod slaughtered thousands of baby boys that were two years old and under. Jewish red blood spilled and the red dragon lapping it up. Rachel is now weeping and cannot be comforted. It was a brilliant plan. It just didn't work because the father protected his son with a reverse exodus. But the dragon would not give up. Thirty years later, in another wilderness setting, he would empty the arsenal, trying to get this second Adam to sin. Just one sin would do it. But it never came. Undone by the sword of the Spirit, he slithered off to lick his wounds and moved to plan C, or was it plan G, or was it plan Z? He had lost count. But this next plan would be his most audacious scheme yet in this cosmic conflict. He would get Mother Israel to kill her own son using the godless Roman government as allies. Finally, something worked. The usurper dealt the death blow to his greatest threat. For three days, he danced with glee and strutted like a peacock in full bloom, walking around saying, my head ain't getting crushed today. But this male child was destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And since dead kings can't rule anything, God raised him up on Sunday morning. And 40 days later, God snatched him up to his throne in heaven. And all Satan could do was watch and say, not good. At the cross, the devil said, check. And at the resurrection, God replied, checkmate. Satan thought, kill the prince or be killed. It never crossed his mind, kill the prince and be killed. With sinners redeemed and Satan's demise sealed, Jesus took his seat at God's right hand. But the accuser would carry on. If he's anything, he's persistent and determined. A persistence and a determination that must be matched by those who oppose him. Oh, I forgot to mention, since his first sin, God has allowed him access into his very presence. Into heaven itself. Diabolos would roam the earth tempting believers to sin. And then rush to heaven to accuse them before God of the sin he just tempted them to commit. And this went on for centuries. Job was a target. And Joshua the high priest was a target. No child of God was safe and no sin was out of bounds for his endless accusations. True, half true, false, it didn't matter. In fact, he couldn't decide which was his favorite. Getting people to sin against God or rubbing it in God's face while mumbling under his breath, see, they don't really love you. The rest of heaven never understood why God put up with it. Why did God allow him this access in the first place? No one ever understood that, but God did, and he did for a very long time. But one day yet in the future, Satan will cross the line. Satan will go too far. Unlike his normal accusations against Christians, he will do something so outrageous that God will do something brand new to him. 
God will summon Michael, the archangel and the protector of Israel. And Michael and his angels will go to war with Satan and his angels. And Michael will toss that piece of trash out of heaven for good. Expelled forever from the throne of God in the presence of the saints. And heaven will explode with happiness that this long-awaited day will finally arrive. In fact, one of the martyred saints will give the call to worship in these words. Now the salvation, that is to say the victory and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. And because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them. But this was real worship and it had a downside. Heaven was to rejoice but these words came for those who still were on earth. Woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has come down to you. Having great wrath. Knowing that he only has a short time. How much time? Three and a half years to be exact. A caged animal is the most dangerous of all. With a sense of wicked urgency, Satan will come completely unhinged by rage and will turn on Israel like never before. And Rachel will weep once again for 1260 horrific days. For 42 months, Israel will be in the crosshairs of this deranged sniper. The strategy Annihilate Israel and God will not be able to keep his covenant with Abraham. Nor will God fulfill his new covenant with his chosen nation. Nor will God keep his promise to his son as the one who rules all the nations with a rod of iron. You see, it all depends on a surviving ethnic Israel. And so despite Satan's best efforts, using every means possible... God simply can't allow this to happen. And with wings like eagles, Israelites will flee to the mountains and flee to the desert wilderness outside of Judea, just as Jesus had predicted in the Olivet Discourse. And God will feed them for the duration of their escape, like he fed Elijah by the brook and like he fed Israel in the wilderness with the manna and with the quail. Of course, Satan's anger boils over at this. Perhaps using a flood of human armies, he will try to drown Israel in her hiding place. But the earth will help her by drinking up the river of satanic rage. Unable to wipe out Israel before Jesus' birth, and then unable to kill baby Jesus, And then unable to keep the crucified Jesus in the ground. And then expelled from heaven. And now unable to get to this Judean stronghold to annihilate Israel. He has one last target. Her seed. And who would that be? 
Jewish Christians, more particularly 144,000 Jewish Christians, 12,000 from the 12 tribes, who during the tribulation period will keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus as they do evangelism all over the globe. Yes, they have the seal of God on their forehead and they are protected for a season, but this is a temporary protection until their mission is complete. And once that mission is complete, Satan will tread them underfoot until most likely every single one of them is martyred for the faith. And yet in this, even in this, he will lose as martyred saints overcome him through their death. How do they overcome him? Because all of their sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus and he has nothing to hold against them. And because they kept the testimony of of their witness about Jesus and finally because they didn't love their life even when facing death. That's how they will overcome him and defeat him. Think about it. 144 witnesses for Jesus Christ. He kills them and they go to heaven where he can't go. Thank you, devil. All I ever wanted was to be with God. And now because of you, I am. What a miserable wretch he is. He is the ultimate loser. Every move is a step behind as he fights in a war he cannot win. And how miserable and wretched are all who belong to him. All who are blinded. From the glory of Christ and the gospel by the devil himself. How wretched is their existence as they serve Satan and not Jesus Christ with their life. The moral of this story of cosmic conflict from Revelation chapter 12 is this, beloved. Trust in the blood of the Lamb, not in yourself. You will overcome your archenemy by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. The moral of the story of cosmic conflict from Revelation 12 is to turn from your sin while you still have time and hold on for the rest of your life to your testimony of Jesus. Give testimony to Jesus and hold on to it till your very last breath. And finally... The moral of this story of Revelation chapter 12 is do not, do not love your life in this world, even when faced with death. Let's pray. God, may it be so this morning that the truth of your word and the urgency of the call of repentance would fall on fertile soil. May you prepare a heart and prepare a mind even now, even in this moment, to trust in the shed blood of Christ and not our own good works or self-righteousness. Father, do your work in this church. Grow this church through the power of the gospel. And we thank you today, God, that though this battle and these wars are not over, you have won, you will win, and you are winning, that this cosmic conflict with Satan has a decreed and determined end. And we look forward, Lord, today as your people. We look forward to that day when you will soon crush Satan under our feet. We pray in the name of King Jesus. Amen.